0: Section 17 of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dana Patterson, Lexington Park, Maryland. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford, Manitus, The Merman of the Chesapeake, Part 3. while puffina was busying herself with the big whalebone whales sulla sought their tooth cousins the gull meant only to play a harmless prank but sulla was in deadly earnest the stranger had wounded her deeply and she was determined to more than even matters he might get hurt even killed but it was all his own fault and whatever happened to him would arouse none of her sympathy the tooth whales were a very different sort from their larger relatives rarely did they take things for granted They were in the habit of investigating and seeing with their own eyes before they would believe anything told them. Sula did not fly down close to them, as did Puffina when visiting the toothless whales. She was not ready to be eaten just yet. So she flew in circles about the herd, close overhead but beyond the reach of any that might choose to snap at her. There were a great many of them, blunt-nosed killers and grampuses, block-headed sperms, beaked dolphins, and the like. Sula scarcely knew where to begin. Suddenly, a long, narrow head rose above the water. It was that of Squalodon, the king whale. Sula halted in midair and hung fluttering over him. Look out for yourself, you footless alligator, she squawked. A stranger is coming to rule the ocean, and unless you behave, he will not let you stay in it. Now Squalodon was not an alligator, although at a distance he did look a bit like one. Sula called him that because she knew it was the quickest way to make him angry. Squalodon was angered by the insult, but the news he heard aroused him even more. A stranger? Ruler? he bellowed. Who? Where is he? Wait and see, the bird taunted him. His name is Manitus and he eats seaweed. How grand it will be to have the ocean ruled by an eater of weeds. I can see you all jumping around to do as bidden. Squalodon ground his teeth their serrated crowns projected in ragged lines from his four jaws he was a flesh-eater as all whales were and flesh and vegetable eaters were inclined to think harshly of each other it was bad enough to have new rulers continually bobbing up but that the latest should be a weed-eater was almost too much to be endured he won't rule over me roared the king whale. Anyhow, he will have to fight first, and you won't find much of him left when I finish with him. When is he coming? Squalodon was not large, but his long, lithe body could cleave and turn in the water with marvelous quickness. Also, his was a quarrelsome nature, and he was ever eager for a fight. Ah, but you won't see him for a long time, mocked the booby. He intends visiting with the big whales first. Probably they will want to keep him with them. And away from you little fellows. With this parting shot, she flew shoreward. Mad. Squalodon lashed himself into a perfect frenzy. And when he told the other whales about the stranger, they too went wild, tearing around in the ocean until it resembled a kettle of boiling fish. Sula continued her flight. One would think that she had already stirred up trouble enough. But she had her own ideas about that. The sharks, too, must be put in a proper frame of mind. She could now see them beneath her, swimming on the shore side of the bar, so she swooped down to have a word with them. Chara, queen of the sharks, was gliding lazily along the ocean's surface when Sula accosted her. Chara was a forty-foot damsel of the white shark or sea-tiger variety. Her jaws bristled with large triangular teeth. Her neck was scarred with long vertical slits, six on each side these were her gills a portion of her breathing apparatus like all other sharks she had no scales although her skin was harsher than sandpaper she was queen of the sharks being bigger stronger and fiercer than any of the others also she had the most effective bite which counted for a great deal as for size she looked more like a whale than a shark a man had there been such a thing could have stood comfortably in her open mouth comfortably provided the good queen did not take a sudden notion to close her jaws. Rarely did any rival venture to dispute Chara's mastery over the sharks. She had a naive and peculiar way of dealing with such disputers, and simple, too, which consisted of swallowing them, bag and baggage. This invariably settled the matter and did away with long-winded argument. "'Lovely day!' squawked Sula as she circled around the fierce monster. I hope you have eaten and rested well. Not enough to satisfy me, snapped the sea-tigress. You might oblige me by coming closer. I did not fly here to be eaten by you, replied the booby. I merely wished you to know that the ocean is soon to have a new ruler. I have heard of them before, sneered the big shark, but somehow the expected never happens. I have not seen one yet that made more than a mouthful. ''But this one will surprise you,'' replied Sula. ''His name is Manatus.'' ''The ocean has never seen a creature so fierce and strong.'' ''It hasn't, eh?'' ''Well, I'm used to rivals, and I guess this one won't worry me any more than others I have swallowed.'' ''You will think differently when you see this Manatus,'' Sula retorted. ''He is the most dashing creature that ever wore fins. He has taken a particular fancy to you, so I am told.'' ''To me?'' Chara became all attention. What does he want? A fight? Hardly that, was the answer. However, wait and see. He is liable to do almost anything. He is bold and so fond of sharks, there is no telling what might happen. Chara smirked and wriggled like an eel. What could happen? she giggled. As for sharks, I guess I am enough to interest him. Her mouth gaped wide in a cavernous smile. She was experiencing a new and delightful sensation sula could scarcely conceal her amusement she was having more fun than she had bargained for chara was not only blessed with a temperament but had an exalted idea of her own personal charms this may have been warranted from her point of view but the booby could see nothing about her that might be considered attractive or wholesome you have already interested him said sula with a twinkle of her fishy eyes "'Just to show how bold and dashing he is, "'he plans to visit the sharks and carry off their queen.' "'Me?' gasped the astonished sea-tigers. "'Why, how dare he say such a thing, the rascal? "'I'll slap him with my fin if he tries it.' "'Chara strove to assume an air of offended dignity, "'but failed miserably, for she was a maiden shark, "'and the news that she was soon to figure in an abduction "'put her in the seventh heaven of delight.' "'Leave this manatus to me,' she said coyly. "'I can take care of myself, and him too, so you need not worry.'" Sula's task was now completed, so she flew back to the rookery and perched high upon the rocks to watch and await developments, and now to return to our hero, the mysterious stranger of the upper river. After parting with the gull on the southwestern shore of the estuary, manatus lost no time hunting up suitable feeding grounds no vegetation was to be found upon the sandy bottom of the estuary so he plucked up courage and swam into the bay its chill and salt bite exhilarated him he dove deeply to the bottom and found to his great delight that it was a veritable sea undergrowth of luscious weeds before lunching he rose to the surface to renew his air supply here he sat upright viewing the endless expanse of white-capped waves this was his first intimate acquaintance with the ocean itself and it impressed him deeply far from discouraging him its cold green vastness filled him with joy alone he could easily face the great wide world but when in the midst of other animals it was different he was shy dreadfully painfully shy and he had lived so long in seclusion that the very thought of mingling with other creatures was almost more than he could bear but now he was alone and in an endless expanse of delightful ocean. He gazed scornfully behind him, no more of that stinking upper river for him. In a single day the shrinking hermit had shifted from fresh to salt water and was venturing forth to find fame and fortune in the sea. The world loves a stout heart and venturesome spirit. From that moment Manatus was to be reckoned with as a power in the briny deep. These were not exactly the words he would have used to express his feelings at that moment but he admitted to himself that what he now felt and saw was even better than he had expected. But his appetite was rapidly growing rebellious at being kept waiting, so once more he dove to the ocean bottom and glided over it, fanning the weed tops into his mouth with his split upper lip. Finally, when he was full and could eat no more, he swam to the surface, vowing that never had he so enjoyed himself. As his head emerged into the open air, he shook the water from it, brushed his lip bristles with his flippers and was about to inhale a fresh air supply for an underwater exploring trip when he heard a slight noise behind him he turned quickly blinked and gasped with astonishment for two huge creatures were floating beside him are you manitus asked one was all our hero could say for a moment he was wondering how the stranger had learned his name not a soul had he spoken to in that neighborhood except two silly birds. Yes, I am Manitus, he finally admitted, and was looking about him for a way to escape when the second stranger spoke. We are whales, he said most humbly. We are pleased to have found your highness and now beg you to come with us. Your highness? Manatus stared like one in a trance. ah. Uh-uh all a mistake he stammered you mean someone else go with you no i won't go anywhere with anybody no mistake for you have said that you are the noble manatus the other insisted your fame has reached the ocean world our people are assembled there eager and waiting to do you honor manatus glanced at the pair suspiciously no they were not joking it was easy to see that His head, or something within it, whirled so that he could scarcely think. He must be a person of extraordinary importance, for these whales insisted he was. It was all so confusing, and yet he felt a thrill of pleasure at being welcomed so wholeheartedly by these big sea animals. Perhaps he had misjudged himself. In his self-enforced seclusion, he had failed to appreciate the latent power within him, He raised his head proudly and strove to appear every inch a king. He threw out his chest, assumed his grandest air, and gazed loftily at the two whales, now his humble vassals. "'How noble he looks!' one of the pair said in a low voice to the other. Manatus wilted. They were whispering to one another. A wave of timidity almost overwhelmed him. "'No, I will not go with you,' he grunted with a shake of his head i know neither of you nor your whales leave me and depart in peace impossible was the answer it is death for us to return without your majesty we beg we implore you to come your majesty another title Manitus felt thrills one after another chasing up and down his spine his spirits rose again these wails seemed well-meaning and harmless enough He dreaded social gatherings, but that feeling was more a habit than the result of experience. He had lived alone too long. Even he realized that. Now was the time for him to emerge from his shell. If only he could rid himself of his dreadful shyness. But his vanity was already deeply touched, and he was becoming rapidly inflated with his own importance. Where are your people? he demanded pompously in the ocean beyond the sandbar was the reply they dare not cross it for fear of being stranded if you will but follow we will guide you safely through to the deeper water manatus paused irresolute hovering upon the brink and straining his nerve to make the plunge fame and power awaited him behind him was the old life before him the new he stole one last furtive look at the two whales they awaited his pleasure in deferential silence no amount of pleading and coaxing could have influenced him more than did their impressive dignity as they floated restfully in the green watery vastness the shy whisper of protest became hushed the spirit of daring triumphed and he plunged boldly and blindly into the great unknown very well lead and i will follow He combed his lip bristles with his flippers, settled into a horizontal position, chest to the waves, and swam seaward, with a whale escorting him on either side. The salt water was cold and invigorating. The further he swam, the better he liked it. He quickened his pace, and try as they would, the two whales could scarcely keep up with him. "'A mighty swimmer,' said one. "'A marvel of daring,' added the other. "'Take care, noble master, or you will come to grief upon the shoals.' Manatus heard these remarks." His head was in the clouds. "'What of that?' he grunted, and with a devil-may-care air, shoals, Huh! I can climb over them if I have to!' The whales gasped. Never was known such recklessness. Manatus might endeavor to mask his royal daring with an atmosphere of timidity, but he could not deceive them. They knew a real king when they saw one. However, there was no need of our heroes showing his skills at climbing over bars a cross-riff opened before him and he swam through into the open sea the ocean surface before him was dotted with black moving objects manatus slowed as he caught sight of them what are they he inquired anxiously the whales one of his companions explained they are gathered together awaiting your highness waiting to see me oh manatus lost his boldness in an instant as he realized that soon he would be facing a lot of strangers his brain became befuddled he would have turned tail and sped back to where he came from but he was so confused that he lost all sense of direction while he hesitated the distant herd began swimming in his direction they were on the watch and had caught sight of him what what huge things they are he stammered in an agony of doubt are they all whales every one was the reply will will they bite me no they would not and they could not if they would none of them have teeth no teeth manatus recovered his composure he made so bold as to indulge in a bit of ponderous humor whales huh (gasps) he snorted why they are nothing but big fish not so loud one of his companions cautioned him for the oncoming herd was already within hearing distance They are not fish, and would be offended if they heard you say so. Then why do they live in the water? It is a long story, and there is not time to tell it now, was the reply. We whales were once land animals, but we loved the sea water and spent so much time in it that our hind legs shriveled up, and we could no longer use them. There was nothing left for us to do but to take to the water and stay there. Why, that fits my case exactly, said the surprised manatus he began to think that either he was a whale or would soon become one but now he forgot all about everything for the herd was crowding about him and he had no more time to think they were gigantic creatures and there were so many of them that manatus was suddenly overwhelmed with fear and wished himself safely out of the whole mess his eyes crossed and the two halves of his upper lip flapped wildly from side to side astonishing result the whales in their turn became frightened and backed water in great confusion what poise how fierce he looks these and similar exclamations resounded on all sides manatus heard them and his courage revived he glanced at those before him so graciously that the big whales felt entirely reassured and hurried forward to pay their respects it was evident that none of them intended to hurt him "'Manatus began to enjoy the fuss they were making over him. "'He had even made up his mind "'that he had found his proper place in life at last. "'He was having a busy and delightful time of it "'when, to his consternation, "'he saw a mass of dark figures coming from the south. "'It was another herd bearing down upon him. "'The big whales turned and faced the newcomers. "'Manatus could see by their behavior "'that they were not at all pleased with the new arrivals.' The latter came on until they almost touched noses with the toothless whales, and meanwhile our hero sat upright in the water, hemmed in between the opposing forces, and cut off from all escape. Swoosh! A long lithe form darted from the ranks of the new arrivals and planted itself in front of Manatus. It was Squalodon, and his companions were the toothed whales. Manatus scented trouble, and his spirits instantly collapsed like a bursted bubble cold chills crept over him as Squalodon set himself in motion swimming around and under him and meanwhile looking him over as a farmer does when about to buy a mule the big whales observed this display of rudeness in breathless silence Squalodon paid no attention to them having completed his tour of inspection he again took up his position in front of manatus the latter's last remnant of courage was now absolutely and completely gone the big whales had backed away until manatus was given a glimpse of the distant shore so distant that it appeared like a thin gray line Squalodon was eyeing him insolently a wicked fishy grin was upon his face and so this is the mighty manatus he muttered in tones of biting sarcasm it is said that he has come from nobody knows where and that all sea creatures must bow before him however i am not so sure that he possesses the strength and courage to make good his claim the words of the king whale sounded like a challenge all eyes were now turned upon manatus the latter's heart sank within him he trembled like a frightened child Squalodon opened his mouth wide displaying all of his serried teeth unless i am much mistaken we have met before he snapped viciously I can assure you that my liking for you has not improved since then. Where are your hind legs? You seem to have hidden them well. But you cannot deceive me, you miserable landlubber, posing as the ruler of the sea. Manatus almost collapsed. It was with a courage born of stupidity and desperation that he blurted out, Landlubber yourself. You would be crawling around on the mud flats even now if your hind legs had not shriveled up. Squalodon's face became convulsed with rage with an effort he restrained himself silence fool he screamed then addressing his comrades he delivered himself a torrent of verbal abuse such as manatus had never before listened to take a good look at this sniveling sand puppy one and all of you he cried your eyes grow dim or you would surely recognize him do you remember in the old days when we floundered upon the mud-banks how we warred upon the herds of vegetable eaters that trampled our grass and dirtied our waters none of them dared follow when we left the land forever and made our homes in the open sea but now he paused for an instant and glared ferociously at the unfortunate manatus the latter had none to help him for the big toothless whales although anxious and interested spectators were too timid to force an issue with their smaller but fiercer relatives manatus was now desperate and thoroughly aware of his own imminent peril almost imperceptibly he backed water setting himself for a dash to the sandbar whose surface laid bare by the ebbing tide showed faintly in the distance the voice of the king whale again grated harshly in his ears but now one of them has dared and more cried the infuriated Squalodon. he an eater of weeds would rule the ocean dwellers he is but our slave of the old days i tell you a slave posing as our master death to the skulker and weed eater death to manatus the sea cow splash manatus dove with the quickness of a lightning bolt and was gone after him plunged Squalodon and the nimblest of the toothed whales Away sped the sea cow, straight and swift as an arrow. His breath and direction calculated to reach the bar with a single dive. His sluggishness cast from him, he was like a bird in its element, shooting through the water with the swiftness of a rifle bullet. But the seawater was new to him, and his pursuers were close behind. It was a long, heartbreaking dash, with his air supply rapidly becoming exhausted, but he kept desperately on suddenly the rising ocean bottom touched his chest and the dim light above him brightened through the greenish haze he made a last spurt and shot up the inclined verge of the bar while behind him his enemies thrashed and floundered in the perilous shallows which they had failed to take note of in the excitement of the chase once safely clear of the toothed whales manatus dragged his weary body over the sand to the deeper water he was desperately tired but this was no time for resting Squalodon and his herd might come at any moment through one of the cross rifts and cut off his escape to the mainland manatus took a long breath and dove deeply he was making good progress shoreward when suddenly a host of lithe fish-like forms loomed in the translucent depths before him his escape was cut off he stopped swimming believing himself lost he rose to the ocean surface and bowed his head meekly the fish-like forms arose with him No use struggling further against fate. So he closed his eyes, covered his face with his flippers, and calmly awaited the end. End of section 17. Recording by Dana Patterson, Lexington Park, Maryland.